introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're here a day later than usual, but we're here. We're back. I got both the doctors with me. Dr. Eric, how you doing? How you been? There's been a football game played. How are things at uh, at PFF and how are you doing? Well, I said I wouldn't bet on that game, but I did. So uh, I'm already <laughs> my willpower. Lasted, lasted one half of one game, but it went well. Uh, obviously, oh, wow. you, you bet the second half. Uh, yes. Um, wow. So, well, because you know, I was working the game, and like I was looking, I was watching it, and I, you know, it seemed it seemed like a solid, uh, solid opportunity. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting, right? Because you watch that game, and I think like, what are we the most um, excited for? We're excited to watch the young quarterbacks play. You know, if you're going to go and watch a Carolina game, Will Greer is going to get probably a quarter or two. That looks kind of fun. You know, this time of year, the guys that might start, like Murray, probably won't play that much. But, like, you're going to get to see Dwayne Haskins in in live, you know, live game situations. That's exciting. Drew Locke, I think we all sort of, like, knew that he wasn't, you know, that he wasn't as ready as maybe the his, his appearance would suggest, you know, coming out of Missouri. Uh, and so like when he struggled the other night, it was sort of predictable, but then it also made the game tough to watch. Brett Rippon out of Boise state actually looked a lot better, uh, which is, you know, kind of how we saw it in his grades, uh, the final year, final few years uh, of college. So it was a compelling matchup. Matt Schaub still sucks. <laughs> I was, I was actually surprised to, uh, see that he was still in the league. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> and I'm I a mean, man, Nick, how's it going, man? How you doing? How you been? I'm good. I'm good, man. Got football on. There's Vikings football in a couple of days. So we made it through the, the doldrums. And, and what manner of super wholesome activities have you been up to lately? <laughs> well, I just finished. HBO has a great miniseries on John Adams. So I literally just finished wrapping up the last one of that episode. So I've got my American history in. It's I good. It. I recommend it. I love it. I love it that we can get we have we have Eric on one side giving us our our gambling fix and you know <laughs> our our just little our, our our actually we'll call it a wholesome bit of degeneracy and then we flip to the other side. We got Nick just letting us know all of the wonderful activities we can do to uh, to better ourselves as human beings. <laughs> it's a good true. mix. It's a good blend. <laughs> well, let's uh let's jump into it here. We talked about the Vikings offense last week, and you know. Defense does win championships, as they say. So we uh, we got to talk about them too. So uh, Nick, I'll start with you on this one. I guess set the set the stage for me here. Uh, Twenty eighteen Vikings defense, they were pretty good. Uh, can you can you let us know? I guess where we're what we're starting from in terms of when we were thinking about the Vikings and you know what they did last season. Like how good were they, and what are your expectations for this team as we kind of pull things forward into uh, into twenty nineteen. Yeah, so there's good news and there's bad news 
for the Vikings heading into next year. I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is that first off, defensive efficiency is extremely difficult to sustain year over year in the long term. Mike Zimmer is maybe the exception to that rule, but generally the rule is uh, defenses that were good last year won't necessarily be good the next year. In fact, as an example, the year-over-year R-squared value of defensive DVOA for the last decade is about 0.12, which is to say that, you know, you're almost as good picking names out of a hat than you are picking, you know, looking at last year's defensive efficiencies and predicting the next year afterward. Maybe only 10% of the variance is explained by how good you were last year. Uh, the other bit of bad news is that this defense lost Sheldon Richardson, who is an extremely effective penetrating three technique, uh, one of the top defensive tackles in terms of pressures year after year. And we're replacing him with Shamar Steffen, which as good as Andre Patterson may be as a defensive line coach, Shamar Steffen is never somebody who's been productive as a pass rusher. In fact, he's been one of the least productive pass rushers. Uh, he's maybe gap sound and technically efficient as a run stuffer, but that's a substantial downgrade there. Um, maybe you get Jaleel or Jalen Holmes or Hercules Mata off uh, getting some pass rush production. But in any case, at least at one position, you're downgrading. And then with the other 10 positions, the Vikings' best players are all past their primes or in their primes, but you're not expecting a big leap forward from anyone except for maybe Daniel Hunter. But Xavier Rhodes, 29, coming off a down year. Linval Joseph, I think he's 30, coming off a down year. Everson Griffin, obviously, coming off a down year. Maybe he rebounds because it wasn't normally uh, an age-related down year. And then Harrison Smith, I think a lot of folks would say he had a down year, certainly not as good as his 2017 year. So those are your all pro players and they're all looking like maybe they're past their peak. And generally once you're in your thirties and you have a down year, it's not normal to leap back and have a huge leap forward at that point. So this is still a good defense. So that's the bad news. The good news is Mike Zimmer is the exception. You know, every year he's been in Minnesota, the defensive DVA has gone up the exceptional last year where they went from second in the league to fourth. Um, they're top in defensive EPA against. They're really an, an effective defense. And if you want some extra added optimism, I think after week four, obviously the Vikings came out of the gate and the defense stumbled a little bit. We all remember Josh Allen posterizing the Vikings and putting up a billion points. And that game was over in the second quarter. Um, and then you saw Sean McVay just drive after drive. You know, we, we didn't even see Mike Zimmer's third down defense because the Rams didn't bother getting to third down. They just converted every first and second down. So, um, But after that, Mike Zimmer really changed his scheme from the ground up and really became more of a middle-of-the-field open defense as opposed to middle-of-the-field closed, meaning more cover two, more cover four. And with Zimmer specifically, it was a cover four base. So um, that's something that uh, schematically is interesting. And league-wide, middle-of-the-field open coverage actually does a little bit better in terms of lower EPA against per play. So it's a little more efficient. And if you look at like the weighted DVOA or you look at the EPA surrendered in those last 12 games, the Vikings were a significantly better defense. So schematically, I think it's hard to, you know, Mike Zimmer might be the second best or maybe even the best defensive schemer in the league. Um, and this is still a very talented defense. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were still a top team, but I wouldn't, just based on last year's efficiency, I wouldn't necessarily make them the betting favorites to be, to repeat. Okay. Eric, where are you at with it when you look at things from a, a PFF lens? Uh, what are your thoughts on what the Vikings did last season? Did they overachieve, underachieve? And, and what are your thoughts just based on some of the factors that, that Nick outlined 
um, that are going to propel this team and propel the narrative as we get into 2019. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, when we look at like even like we have a massy ranking for defense and it's correlate, it's R squared is like 0.18 year to year versus offense is just 0.29. So, you know, defense is difficult to sustain, difficult to win championships with. Um, and so that's really the uphill battle the Vikings are facing coming off of a year where they were second in EPA allowed um, per play. Uh, but one of the good things that was interesting for them, as Nick was saying, they they were, you know, they, impro- they improved down the stretch uh, last season in the second half, um, but they also improved in second half of games. They were second in EPA allowed per play. They were sort of middle of the pack in EPA allowed per play on the first 15 plays of a game, which was ba- which is basically saying that Zimmer, you know, can take an offense's first punch. Oftentimes, teams will start out fast against the Vikings, but then the Vikings will rebound uh, and adjust as sort of the uh, as sort of the game progresses. So that's a, a solid thing for Zimmer. Also, sort of showing that you know some of the things Nick said, which are true, which is regression, um, might be something that they can stave off because you know, the defensive coordinator really being the most valuable player uh, on that defense might carry more than some of these individual players, which are subject to regression due due to age, as Nick said, uh, cluster injuries, which they dealt with at times last season. uh, And then just, you know, being able, you know, being able to stave off some of those with sort of these adjustments that you can make, uh, I think bode well for for the Vikings there. Uh, Some other things that were encouraging for them is obviously Daniil Hunter continuing to emerge uh, as one of the good players in the NFL, uh, Mackenzie Alexander coming in and becoming, you know, one of the better slot corners, especially in the second half of the season when he was really like, you know, a top slot corner uh, in the NFL. Uh, and then Anthony Harris, an undrafted player out of Virginia Tech, um, you know, coming up and, and being that second safety next to Harrison Smith that they've always wanted. So there are some encouraging things from, for them from a personnel standpoint, but in, me- in most cases, it is just the fact that Zimmer is just a brilliant. Uh, defensive coordinator and probably will continue to be so. So I feel like you you both touched on a, a couple of the points there, but I hear this a lot that um, your defense is more difficult to predict year over year. There's more regression uh, from a, a defensive unit from one year to the next. I guess, Nick, starting with you, could you give me some of the reasons why that happens? So we know that the numbers show it, but what are the reasons from your perspective why it is so difficult to sustain defense versus offense from year to year? I think the biggest drive, I mean, there are a lot of variables that go into it, but I think the biggest one by far is that the quarterback drives so much of offensive efficiency and quarterbacks generally stick with their teams year after year. So Tom Brady staying with the Patriots for, you know, 20 years or something uh, helps a lot in terms of the Patriots offensive efficiency and it helps them go year after year. Whereas there isn't like a keystone to the defense where they stick around for a decade or even two decades as some quarterbacks do. So I think that's a primary driver. I think you also see a little bit more turnover at the defensive coordinator position. There are fewer, there are more offensive head coaches in the NFL than there are defensive head coaches. And it's trending that way even more so despite hiring a big Fangio. You're seeing a lot of offensive coordinators get promoted. You're seeing a lot of teams go younger and younger at the offensive coordinator position or the offensive head coach position. So um, I think generally when you're, uh, a head play caller on offense is sticking around, whereas your defensive coordinators are more likely to leave. That's going to leave a lot more variance because you're switching schemes, you're switching playbooks, you're switching styles, 
a lot of times they're bringing their own players in and out, so there's maybe more roster turnover on defense than there is on offense. And, you know, maybe another thing you could say is just the, the things on defense that drive wins, like coverage, uh, that's uh, a highly variable uh, input as well into the equation, just because coverage is such a, it's such a, for whatever reason or another, like the top corners or the top safeties seem to change most years after one after the other. Um, and whereas Xavier Rose might be an, an elite quarterback in 2017, shadowing everybody and shutting them down and holding Odell Beckham to you know, however many catches the next season, he's having a down year and he's getting roasted by Devontae Adams or whoever. So um, it's it's a little more inherently variance. There's a little more inherent variance, I think, in um, cornerback and coverage efficiency than there is in passing efficiency. Uh, maybe it's because it's a more reactive position. Um, so I, there's there's a few different things that go into it. I think um, the the glass half full take for the Vikings is that unlike other teams, Mike Zimmer is there. He has the stability. They have ten starters returning, and the eleventh starter returning is already familiar with the scheme. So in ter- from from a scheme perspective. There should be a, a decent amount of carryover in the efficiency there, and also from the personnel perspective. So, I think there's an upside to the Vikings there, but it is sort of there isn't any lodestone around there to like the quarterback or like the head coaches that stick around forever to tie the whole scheme and efficiency in the long term. Yeah, Eric, and so the uh, like the Vikings returning starters. I know I've seen analysis more focused on like fantasy football and things that talk about. You know, teams returning, you know, X number of offensive linemen and the correlation maybe that'll have to like running back performance and things like that. When you guys are are, are looking at things from a PFF perspective, is that analysis that you're doing? Like how many players are they coming back? And is that something that you can pull statistically relevant uh, information from? I mean, usually it's just one of those things where you're if you're adding up the war that a team accumulates a previous season, taking the guys that played you know for other teams adding their war in maybe adjusting for what their snap count might be uh, that does a pretty good job um, but ultimately for defense it's a lot of the things Nick said you know you're 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 going to be dealing with injuries um, and then those injuries are going to have a cascading effect on the defense um, you know a nickel corner gets hurt you got to swing one of your starters inside then you got a guy on the outside really what you're playing if this two backups right and or same thing with safety um, you know, when, you know, when free agents leave, oftentimes, uh, I'm trying to think of like, you know, with the Steelers, for example, they trade Antonio Brown. Um, and now we think Antonio Brown might not play a lot this year because he has like that. He's going to see a foot specialist. Like that's something that's like baked in too, where you're like, well, of course this guy left, but was he going to be valuable at all anyway? Uh, you always have to factor those things in as well. But, you know, for defense, it is very much, you know, what type of like existing what does their schedule Im, uh, imply on them right like last season the vikings had one of the tougher schedules in the nfl this year they have a similarly tough one maybe not quite uh, on average as tough as last season so you know defenses are very much like a combination of the offenses they face and in that regard uh you know i think the vikings are sort of dealing with a league average uh you know s- a slate there a little bit of regression for some of the older players probably see a little bit of regression in them this year, despite uh, sort of how good Zimmer is at adjusting with things. One thing I'll add on that, just because it's also related um, both to what I was saying and what Eric's saying is that I think a lot of defensive efficiency is just based off turnovers. And whereas on the offensive side, limiting turnovers is something that the quarterback can kind of uh, stably do year after year. You know, Tom Brady doesn't throw many interceptions. Drew Brees doesn't throw many interceptions, and that's true year after year. 
Whereas how many interceptions you get on defense is often just a matter of are you playing a backup quarterback that week or are you playing, you know, a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees, in which case they're probably not getting very many interceptions. One bit of good news for the Vikings is the Vikings had some pretty bad luck, both in the interception department, but I think especially in the fumble recovery rate. They were last in the league in fumble recovery rate on defense. Only a third of their fumble recoveries were recovered by the defense, whereas usually it's, those are 50-50 balls. So, you know, you, you regress positively there, and you're going to be seeing a few more turnovers on defense. So that's that's not something that could be beneficial next year for the Vikings. All right, Eric, question for you. I asked you, I asked you this about the offense, but uh, I need the same question answered about the defense. Uh, if we're ranking the positions on defense in order of importance, what does that look like? Yeah, for me, I think it looks like corner, edge, uh, safety, uh, line, uh, depend, yeah, linebacker, interior, the hard part is, is like when you have a linebacker like Bobby Wagner, he's sort of a safety to me. Um, same thing with Luke Keekley, but I would say uh, corner, edge, uh, safety, and then and then interior slash linebacker. Okay. The the nickel corner is probably somewhere a, a slightly above, in my opinion, interior uh, and and sort of traditional off the ball linebacker, and then like a linebacker who can sort of cover as well as maybe like the top five guys in the league is probably uh, on par with the safety, in my opinion. Also from team to team, this and, and based on kind of what they're asked to do, these rankings would, would shift. But if you're looking league wide, you think in, you know, the corners, the edge safety linebacker, and then interior defensive lineman. Yeah. And I would say depth is more important at corner than it is at edge, right? You could probably get by with one. So like if the Vikings only had to Hunter for the rest of time, that's probably okay. If they only had Trey Wayans for the rest of time, that's probably not, you know, um, just because, you know, uh, what the right defensive end is doing is somewhat independent of what the left defensive end is doing. Whereas the effectiveness of having just one corner and a bunch of bad defensive backs uh, is, is, you know, is, is not either. You can obviously scheme away from that one cornerback and just throw at the bad ones uh, if the rest aren't particularly good. All right, so let's bring that forward. Nick, uh, Eric just talked about depth. What are your thoughts on the depth of this team as we as we look forward to 2019? Because obviously we know football is a violent game. Injuries do happen. Uh, Eric referenced the fact that the Vikings already had to, to deal with that injury bug on defense in 2018. What's our depth looking like? And you know, based on what you're seeing and reading from, uh, from preseason, uh, where are the positions that maybe we should be concerned about? Where are the positions that things are looking good for the Vikings as, as we move things forward? It's a good question. I think it's it's interesting to note that the Vikings have the most top-heavy roster of any team in the NFL. So we have the most players under a $10 million or more contract. Um, we have a lot of veterans who have been signed to long-term deals that, you know, individually they're all good deals, but you add them up and the Vikings just kind of, there. there's a lot of top-heavy guys and a lot of guys on rookie deals and not a lot of guys in between. A lot of teams will have, you know, some some middle of the road guys. And the Vikings have eschewed that strategy and just kind of uh, they have the top guys. And then if Xavier Rose goes down, it's, you know, it's if Mike Hughes isn't back yet and Holton Hill isn't back yet, who knows who the next guy up is? So cornerback is a position where you know it's funny going into in the middle of the offseason we we're talking about trading Rhodes, trading Rhodes, or trading Trey Wayne's just because we have a glut of cornerback talent, and a lot of teams have the opposite of that. So maybe we could extract some premium value there. 
And now with Mike Hughes, you know, not looking like he'll necessarily be ready to start the season and Holton Hill facing an eight game suspension and who knows if he'll make the team even. Um, it's, it's a little dicey there. I think the edge talent is pretty good. I'm, I thought we saw Stephen Weatherly come in for Everson Griffin last year and perform at uh, a roughly a, a maybe a low end starter level. He was, which is very good for a backup, obviously. Uh, if you're good enough to start for other teams, that's a good backup. So, um, you know, if, if something happens to Griffin or uh, Hunter, obviously those are two very good players, but the guys in, in the wings um, are a little good. And then I would say similar logic for the three technique position, but not because of uh, how good Shamar Stefan is, but just because I don't think there's a huge drop off between Shamar Stefan and, and, um, and, and like Jaleel Johnson or Jalen Holmes or Hercules Madafa or whoever might be there. Um, at, at the linebacker position, it's interesting. Um, what makes Barr and Kendrick so valuable is their, vers- their versatility. Like Barr is somebody who can legitimately set the edge like a, like a defensive end in the run game against offensive tackles. He can, um, despite being 6'5 and I think 255 pounds, he can run downfield really fast. He's like an insane athlete. Um, but so he can really do a lot of other things. Um, if Barr went down, you know, you would have maybe Ben Gideon playing Sam or something. And that's, you know, he's, he's big and he can run the fend really well. Um, but he can't cover the way that, that Barr can. And, you know, if, if Kendricks goes down, I think, um, Eric Wilson's a phenomenal coverage linebacker. He might even be a better coverage linebacker than Eric Kendricks, but he just gets washed out in the run game. So you have guys who can kind of do one thing well in the linebacker core, but not everything. And then the safeties, J. Ron Curse, I think is interesting. Mike Zimmer's found a, a like a niche role for him where he'll play like the red zone. Uh, center field safety just because he's six five or something, and so he can uh, really get his hands on the ball in, the, in their tight spaces. Um, and we've got some other rookies in there too, but they're a little unproven. So on the whole, you know, Mike Hughes is good depth. Stephen Weatherly is good depth. I'm not crazy about any of the other guys coming in, um, but this is a top heavy roster, so they're kind of betting on themselves to be healthy. Eric, did someone just lose another tooth in the background over there? <laughs> yeah it's been uh yeah it's been a fun night uh of uh kids staying up pretty late but yeah there there was a, a screech in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i understand I, I just got mine down right before we started so uh no definitely no judgment on this end and I, i'm not sure between the i'm sure what took your 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 attention away for a little bit there in the background but i guess um, in terms of depth for the Vikings, Nick kind of went through uh, his thoughts there. From a PFF perspective, what do you see when you look at uh, the, the Vikings and the depth? And uh, what areas of concern uh, do you have or should fans have as we, we think about this team on defense in 2019? Well, you know, I always I, I, I struggle sometimes because it, it is often the case that depth is a concern, right? You know, last season... Um, you know, they lost Andrew Sandejo in the middle of the year and there really wasn't, I mean, George Iloka came in, but really it was somebody like Anthony Harris who ended up being, uh, you know, this starter caliber player kind of out of nowhere. Mike Hughes goes down uh, early in the season. It ends up being uh, Mackenzie Alexander who emerges uh, as one of the better players on the defense and frankly, one of the better players in the league in terms of uh, at his position, um, you know, even somebody like Ben A. Ben Wickery, who they just signed, like that might be one of those situations where, you know, Zimmer can get something out of sort of a formerly useful player, uh, you know, in another team secondary. So while, you know, sort of on 
on the balance, I do like struggle. I mean, they do have, you know, they, they do have some holes and they do have some, you know, for example, three technique. I think like they, they don't go very deep after their third defensive end, et cetera, et cetera. I, I am a little concerned. It does always seem though that, um, that Mike Zimmer can get the most out of, out, out of some of these players. So it might be less of a concern on defense uh, than it would be, say, if you were talking about Kansas City or New Orleans or some other team that maybe doesn't have as as brilliant of a defensive mind, uh, you know, working for them. Okay, so defenses, uh, so injuries may come, but we have Mike Zimmer, so all should be well. And I like, yeah, you saw that last year with Holton Hill. Um, a lot of folks think Holton Hill was you know, this tremendous rookie season, and he was he was legitimately good, but a lot of it was also Mike Zimmer was helping him a lot. And you'll see Mike Zimmer kind of automatically like ask each player just enough as they can. So Xavier Rose will be, he'll have entire play calls where like Xavier Rose is just manned up on the number one wide receiver without any safety help. So the safeties will just roll away, away from him. And whereas Holton Hill, you know, he'll put him like kind of the cover two corner where you're not asked to cover a lot of grass and you've got safety help and you've got linebacker help. So uh, he does a good job masking the the flaws in his players. Well, and and when Rhodes in 2015, he was shadowing other teams' receivers um, because he finished so well in 2014. He struggled almost the entire you know first 10 games of 2015, and Zimmer actually took him off that role. Um, and so he he does know when to sort of hold him and when to fold him. I think with some of these players too, uh, yeah. and, and that's important. And I think for the Vikings' sake, I think it's also important defensive ends for them i talked about this with sam monson on i believe uh one of our youtube uh, things about the vikings um zimmer doesn't like to rotate defensive ends very much he you know never you know he never really gave hunter the role fully until 2017 um you know griffin's never been a guy other than last season who gave up a lot of snaps but the best way to probably use him this year is to play him less and preserve him and maybe let somebody you know you know, somebody from lower down the roster sort of gets snaps. Um, and that might be something where he's always traditionally liked to play his defensive ends a lot, but he could lay off uh, a little bit here in the future and maybe get a little bit more in terms of uh, efficiency out of them. And Eric, were you referring to the state of the Vikings YouTube video or state of the franchise, excuse me, that you did a couple of weeks ago? I believe, I believe okay, so. Well, I, yeah. will, I will link yes. to that in the show notes. And, and if you guys notice, I've been very, very positive about the bike. I know even season. Flip commented on your positivity. I feel like it might have been throwing him off a little bit. I think it might have been throwing him off a little well, bit. Well, that's the. Well, I think that I think that last season was instructive, and this season it's back. We're back. The Vikings' expectations, I think, are perfect. So I'm happy. I'm happy to be on the on the positive side of. Uh, nor- real realistic expectations now. But you're still betting the under. Uh, yeah, well, it's just my nature. <laughs> <laughs> I've been conditioned by Viking fandom, so I guess I, I, we can't really judge you too harshly for that. I mean, it's a rational position to take. Let's put it this way. Hey, Vikings fans, I also bet the Twins under. So, you know, so so it doesn't always mean I'm right. But the twins are the twins are going to go over that by the end of August. So, uh, you know, if the Vikings go over whatever that nine wins by the end of November, uh, I think I'll be happy. We'll we'll all be very happy about (laughs) that. Okay, well, gentlemen, I feel like we covered 
most of what we would want to cover as Can it relates to. Oh, yes, of course you may. Where would you rank the Vikings defensive line in the NFC North? Because I was thinking the other day, after the Lions signed Mike Daniels, do the Vikings have the worst defensive line in the NFC North? Despite having a very good defensive line, are they the worst? Yes. I And, and I think, strangely, this is how much coverage probably matter. I think they at least have the second best defense. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's just wild to think about. So, like, so, like Lindell Joseph might be the fourth best nose tackle in the NFC North. And he's an extremely oh, And he's a pro. Wow. He's an all pro formerly, you know. But but you look at, and, and again, Nevin lost. I, uh, so you look at like Detroit. And Detroit's got a very good corner in Darius Slay. They just got Justin Coleman. There's a chance that they could be an emerging defense. Trey Flowers on the defensive line to go with you know, Damon Harrison and then uh, Mike Daniels. That's a great front four. Um, sort of no holes there, really. Uh, Deshaun Hand as well, and then you look at uh, you look at Green Bay. They just got the two Smiths up front. They got Rashawn Gary in the draft. Um, they got Kenny Clark. Uh, that's a they that's cut a good Mike front Daniels four as well. because they just couldn't fit him into their lineup. Dean Lowry that's was Dean Lowry was getting was playing too well, and then Chicago, of course, Hakeem Hicks is pro- Hakeem Hicks is probably the best interior defensive lineman in the division. You got Khalil Mack on the outside. You got Leonard Floyd possibly emerging. And then Eddie Goldman is actually, I mean, he's not the best nose tackle in the division, but he's pretty damn good and young. Yeah. Like, so, at, at, you know, as good as the Vikings defense is, it also shows maybe how little defensive line moves the needle if you don't have coverage and coaching. Uh, the only team whose defense I think is better, and I don't actually think it's a slam dunk, is Chicago, and it's because they lost their coach. I think if they still had Fangio, they'd be the best defense in the division by a mile. But they lose Fangio, they lose uh, like Bryce Callahan in the slot, yeah. and Adrian Amos as well, who went to Green Bay. So that's a very good question. I think it's good to point that out. I love that. But, I mean, football's won and lost in the trenches, so I'm not sure if I believe it. But I love <laughs> you, it. You, right. You I, hate, I hate, you hate to, to see, see it. it. I love what you're saying, but I hate to see it all at the same time. <laughs> All right, that's it about the defense. We're going to pause for a quick second, and uh, we're going to pretend like it's the regular season. So, listeners, thanks for sticking with us on this episode. We made you wait a little while to get this one, so we're going to double up for you here and give you a little bit of bonus coverage. So uh, check back with the feed a little bit later in the day. 